Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 11 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and I'm your host, Heidi, also known as So Heidi. Today I'm chatting with Sheena Schoolcraft, a fashion designer in New York City who's worked with brands like Oshkosh, Tommy Hilfiger, and Dress Barn. During our conversation, Sheena shares how to present your online portfolio and why it should be different than your physical one, why being easy to work with can be key to your success, what you can bring to an interview to impress the hiring manager, and the best strategies to make sure your resume stands out. The person hiring you wants to know how you can help them. They don't really truly care about you. They care about what does this person have to offer us? And that's what you need to gear your resume towards. How can you help this company? What, what can you do that maybe someone else can't? Beyond your resume, I want you to pay very close attention to some of the trends you see in Sheena's career. There are subtle things she does, but they make a huge difference. Think about how you can apply this behavior to everything you do to get ahead in your career too. Before we jump into the interview, I want to remind you you can help the show out and make it easier for others to discover by leaving a rating on iTunes. If you enjoy this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you take 60 seconds to do that. Visit sfdnetwork.com slash review to leave your rating. Thank you for your support and help. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 11. Now on to the interview with Sheena. Thank you so much for being on the show and I'm super, super pumped to chat with you and hear everything that you're up to. I glanced at your portfolio really quickly. It looks amazing and so I'm super excited to hear about what you're working on and your whole story of working in the fashion industry. Um, so why don't you start with telling us what you're doing right now? All right. Well, um, right now I'm working at Dress Barn and I'm designing woven tops, um, which is really exciting because, uh, they were buying through the market before. So basically there's vendors, um, that the company would go to and, you know, they just have out their whole line and they would pick which ones they liked and they say, all right, we're going to buy this, this, and this, and that's going to go into the store. So they never actually had a designer in-house for woven tops. So now I get to head spear that and it's, it's really exciting. Oh, that's awesome. And have you done, do you have experience in wovens? Is that kind of your niche market? Um, I've had experience in a lot of different categories, but, uh, when I worked previously at Tommy Hilfiger, I did work on woven tops and outerwear. So that has been helpful, you know, for this, um, position. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and so rewinding a little bit, how did you first get into the industry? Uh, This is always like a funny story. Um, because I feel like a lot of people just know like, Oh, I want to do this. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to follow my dreams. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And my mom was really pushing me to go to college because she was a single mother, never went to college and she knew how hard it was for her. So she's like, you are going to college, going to get your degree. We'll figure this out. And I just remember when I was younger, 
I was really enjoying like clothing and shopping. And so she said, why don't you go to college for, you know, like design or like, um, you know, merchandising. I was like, all right, I'll do that. So that's how I ended up going to college for it. I went to Cincinnati and did a five-year program there. And I got to have a lot of internships through that program and actually got hired right out of college because of one of my internships. So that's how it all went down. Wow. So that's actually really interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily well, first of all, have, have some challenges with getting support from their parents to go into this industry. And you not only had support, you're, it was almost like, sounds like it was your mom's suggestion that you do this. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, she definitely pushed me into this and I'm glad she did. I just wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, of course, we all have like many interests and there's times where I'm like, oh, I could have went to the event, you know, but there's always like enjoyment out of this industry and I'm really thankful that she was there to support me. That's great. And so, okay, so you got some internship opportunities through school and then that turned into a job. Yes. Okay. And how, when was that? When did you graduate? I graduated in 2009. Okay. So So it was like, it it was like, Right around, you know, when we had like the financial crisis and no one was having jobs. And so I was very lucky to actually get a job right out of school. And outside of the intern, I mean, yeah, that is a really tough time to kind of break into the market. And so was it really just that you got the internship and that turned into a job? And if so, you know, what was it that made you stand out and get the job over someone else? Um, yeah, so I think it was really just my attitude, um, and that I was a hard worker, you know, like I always came in with a great attitude, was willing to work with anyone and do any kind of job that they wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, my bosses saw that in me. And so, you know, when you work with someone that you really get along with, that's easy, um, you know, to work with and understands what you're looking for in the design process and can give you that. I mean, it's, it's difficult to find people like that. And so you want, you definitely want to hold on to them. Um, I've come across that with my assistants too. So I totally understand why they wanted to hire me. Okay. So I want you to talk a little bit more about that because this is something I've heard multiple times from other people. And it's always something that I believe to be true as well. And so like, I just have to dig a little bit deeper into this theme of like working really hard and doing a good job. And then you made the comment just now that that's something that you really look for in your assistance and it can be really hard to find. And so is that something that's like innate to people or do you think that that's something that can be taught or learned? Um, I definitely think that it can be learned. Um, I, I, I feel like I used to be a very shy person, so it was hard for me to connect with people. Um, but I was always really responsible I think. And so that I didn't have a hard time with, you know, doing the job and getting stuff done that I was asked to do. Um, But I did definitely work on my personality and trying to open up to people and, you know, really connect with them 
and to especially work with people that had um, different personalities that were, you know, maybe hard for me to get along with. Mm -hmm. And I think you're always going to run into that. So I've worked on that a lot over my career. And every year I get a little bit better at it. But it's definitely something that you can work on for sure. Okay. And so, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this, but like, what do you feel like you're, you're obviously very mindful of improving that and getting along with other people and using that to then get further in your career. Is that, am I putting your words in your mouth or, or is that a fair summary? No, that that's fair. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, what are some of the things you feel like you've done to kind of continue progressing in that space in terms of getting along with the various different people that you come across in your team and continuing to, you know, just be a really hard worker and and be easy to work with and just be a good team player? I think really you just have to constantly remind yourself that everyone's there on your team for the same reason. You're all there to get the best product for your customers. Mm -hmm. And you have to take your personal life out of it completely. It's hard to do. (laughs) Um, It's definitely, it's easier other days, um, you know, but it's something that you have to remind yourself. And I think especially during hard times, people are stressed or you're under a a tight deadline. You have to remember you're all on the same team. And I think just being cognizant of that really helps you kind of, you know, work towards being more mindful and um, maybe more friendly during those times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what helps you get to that point. Okay. So, I mean, really great advice. Um, and, And that's clearly you said something that you look for in your assistants and in other team members. Um, and then you, you made the comment, which I love is like when you find someone that has those qualities, you hold on to them. So it's like a good, it it can be a good job security thing. Like if you just work really hard, you're going to, you're going to keep your job. Chances are, I mean, obviously things happen in the industry with, with, um, in relation to companies and various positions, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, like I was, you know, my previous job, um, Tommy Hilfiger, our team actually got laid off our whole team because another company took our division. Mm. And so, you know, there was designers in the other company. So all of us were out of a job at the same time. Mm. And we had such a great, um, team. Like we were all, you know, we, we weren't like all friends. We were all friendly, I think we all worked really well together. We were a great team. And each and every one of us, after that time of being laid off, reached out and got each other, you know, if if it wasn't like um, something permanent, it was temporary, you know, we got jobs for everyone. And now to this day, like everyone has a job. So it really does help to strengthen those bonds within your team because down the line, you're probably going to need it. And layoffs happen all the time in this mm-hmm. industry. They do. Mm-hmm. So did your current opportunity from Dress Barn come from a contact you had at your previous job where your whole team got let go at Tommy Hilfiger? Um, well, I had actually uh, freelanced there. And ah, 
Yeah. So I freelanced there. Um, just, I, you know, I think I applied to it. It wasn't anyone that I really knew there. Um, so I freelanced there for a while just by, I think showing my work and they were really impressed with it. And I think, you know, my boss at the time really connected with me and she saw that I had the vision that they needed for the brand at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just really personable, I think. So, um, how much, other, how much other freelance have you done in the past versus full-time employee? Cause I'd love to kind of get your take on those two different spaces in the industry and like, you know, maybe some of the pros and cons of doing each and, and you know, what your advice would be to people. I think I can't really speak to it exactly because every freelance job I've had has been like a temporary to perm ah, type of okay. deal. So I was never like acting like a freelancer. I was acting as an actual designer that was part of the team, except I really wasn't. Okay. You know, like I was paid as a freelancer, but I always took on more responsibility too. Um, and I wasn't the type of person that just like clocked out at, you know, six o'clock and I'm done for the day. Like I was in everything. Like I was an actual designer. So I don't think I can speak to other freelance jobs that are like truly freelance. I've never actually had a job like that. Okay. Gotcha. But then it goes back to that hard work thing. I mean, you just said you weren't the type of freelancer who's like, I show up for the set hours, then I leave. You do the job, you do what needs to be done to get the job done. And then it sounds like that perhaps was part of the reason it turned into a full-time job. I mean, you said you have a pretty good rapport with your boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, um, I, I left Dress Farm before when I was freelancing with them. Yeah. So I, I went on to do some outerwear design, um, actually for Tommy, for <laughs> the division that got, you know, bought out um, at, from a different company at G3. So I was freelancing at G3 for um, maybe like five months. And I you know, wanted to get more involved in the design process, which I wasn't able to do at G3. So I knew they were looking at Dress Barn for a woven tops designer. And I reached out to my, my boss. Oh, I forgot. This is crazy. So my SVP from Tommy Hilfiger actually went to work at Dress Barn as the SVP of design. So she came right as I was leaving my freelance position with them. And she was your SVP from Tommy when your whole team yes. got let go. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, um, I actually contacted her and I said, Hey, you know, are you guys still looking for a woven tops designer? Like I'd really love to come back and I'd love to work with you because I really liked working with her. Um, and I knew that she had a great design sense and I loved the way that she ran the team. So, that's how I ended up going back to Dress Barn. So again, your network just really yeah. came around for you. Yeah. I mean, she had talked to um, the new uh, director that they hired um, when I had left. Yeah. And, you know, it was really telling her how I was as a designer and how she really liked me. So it definitely did come into play getting me this position. Um, so have most of your opportunities been through your network? 
Yeah, I would say, I would say so. Um, my first job that I got out of college was at Oshkosh and I ended up working there for, I think three years. Um, and at the end of that time, my director, um, she had, well, we actually got laid off at that job as well. Because <laughs> Recurring part, dream in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, she had moved on to Tommy and that's how I got my job at Tommy okay. was through her. She suggested me, she knew that they were looking for someone. So I came in and she helped get me that job as well. So it definitely has been an integral part of me getting the, the positions that I've had. Yeah. And what do you find with your assistants that you hire? Are, do these people come to you through industry networks or are, you know, I mean, speaking to someone who in the audience who maybe doesn't have that network or maybe they're trying to break into the industry for the first time um, at an assistant level, like, if you don't have that network, what do you think you can do or what have you seen people doing or what have some of your assistants or other people on your teams done to get their foot in the door? Yeah. So my assistant currently, um, I, no one at my office knew her. Okay. Um, she just applied for the job and HR, you know, gave me her resume and she, she sounded very sweet on her resume and she came in to meet us and, actually only saw two people, um, for that position. And I really liked her because I knew she was going to be a hard worker. I could just tell, I could tell from her portfolio, um, that maybe she wasn't up to what I expected, um, in terms of like sketches or something, but I knew by the questions I asked her, like she could get there and we're still working on that. She's, you know, very new to the position, but, um, you know, really it came down to, I felt that she was very personable, that she was sweet, that she was going to get along with everyone and not really have an ego. You know, I didn't want anyone bringing anything like that into the office because we have a very good team and we all get along very well. And it's, it's important to keep that. Yeah, keep that company culture and not have someone coming in here standing up too tall and kicking other people over. Yeah, I definitely want someone that's going to be a team player. Yeah. And I ask those things too. You know, I ask like, tell me how you like to work. Um, do you like to work as a team? Do you like to work on your own? Um, you know, like how responsible are you with you know, if I hand you something, are you going to be able to get it back to me on time? Am I going to have to, you know, hunt you down for it? (laughs) Things like that. So I kind of go through that in my interview process. And that's how I, you know, vetted her. Yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about portfolios. I mean, you mentioned that her portfolio was, um, you know, maybe not the strongest you had ever seen or, or maybe not even as strong as you expected. If I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think you use that word expected. Um, and so I'd love to talk, cause I get questions all the time about 
what should I put in my portfolio? How much do I include? How much do I tailor it to that specific job I'm applying to? Do I include schoolwork? Um, do I include personal projects if I don't have many commercial projects? So in your experience, both in terms of like what you see from, from assistants who are applying and when you're doing the interview process, all the way back to you know when you're presenting your portfolio, um, and I'll link to your portfolio online in the, in the show notes on your website. I, I think you did a great job of putting um, your work history together, but you know, what are some, what's some advice you could give in terms of like how to present yourself visually as a designer? Yeah. Um, so I, first of all, would only show things that really applied to that company or that position that you're going for. Um, one of the girls I saw had a lot of formal dresses in her portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that didn't apply to the position at all. It's for woven tops. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to be looking at that. Like, that's great that you can do it. They're beautiful. But it's a waste of time. And really, we're all strapped for time. You know, you're taking time out of your day to go on this um, interview. I'm taking time out of my day designing or answering emails. So I don't like to waste time. Um, I would definitely only show what's really, you know, applicable to that position unless you're specifically asked otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people have backgrounds in, in specific things like um, bras or swimwear. And even though you're going on a knitwear interview, sometimes, you know, those designers might want to see that. Um, I do know of some of my friends who have been asked to send that later on. Mm -hmm. So in general, though, I would say tailor it to the um, position that you're going for. Now, if you only have knitwear experience and you are going in for a wovens, um, I think it's fine to show your knits, but maybe you would want to do just a small project. Um, nothing extraordinary, but maybe you have a little, you know, here are the trends I'm seeing. And then here are a few sketches and they don't have to be on the body either. Mm -hmm. uh, like on a croquis, I think a lot of people are just showing flats and especially the way I like to do flats is stylized. And I think it, I think it's totally fine not to, you know, spend all of your time drawing these perfect croquis and, I think it's like not really necessary. Mm -hmm. um, what else? I think that you shouldn't have too much in your portfolio yeah, because it, it, it's like just keep flipping through and, and there's nothing really um, that stands out. So I would say minimum three projects and max maybe, I don't know, six. Okay. So you don't great, want great type yeah. collection. Yeah. Really yeah, show because, me the best of the you best. You know, so, sometimes like I like to when I go for an interview have, you know, here is my inspiration, here are the trends, here's my color palette. So that can get into a lot of pages. Mm -hmm. So even though you only have like a few um collections in there, you're showing a lot of info. Mm -hmm. So it gets kind of overwhelming when you have way too many projects in there. Right. Um, and I think it's totally fine to do your own thing. You know, I think that's great. 
Um, any kind of freelance work you do too, you could put in there. So I, I think that whatever you feel comfortable showing, you should put in there. Like you need to be able to explain it and you need to be proud of it. So when you're talking about putting together this custom portfolio, um, does that relate to how much would you tailor, like, would you send them a customized PDF when you're applying and then also, you know, pull out and insert certain pages in your physical portfolio when you go for the interview? Or are you creating like a custom page on your website that you direct them directly to? Or like, talk about the different mediums you're presenting yourself in, because if you're tailoring this for each job, and I guess, you know, it depends if you're, if you're a wovens designer, chances are you're applying for mostly wovens jobs. So your portfolio can be the same for all those various jobs. But what if you're trying mm-hmm. to dive, like get out of your box a little bit and, and how much are you customizing to each um, job and, and what format are you doing that in? So um, I actually just made my online portfolio recently and I would always send PDFs of my work. Okay. Um, what I like about that is that you can take out specific projects and you know, that would be applicable to that um, position. So if it's an outerwear position, I could take out some of my outerwear projects and just send that. And then when I go in, I would take out like physically take out pages in my portfolio and just keep in there. What is applicable to that job? Okay. So that's what I would suggest people do. Now there are people that use the online portfolio and I think that's great. And I, I would never like take things out of my online portfolio. Um, I think that's easier to sift through, you know, it's broken down by what company I worked for Mm -hmm. and the person can just go and look at whatever they want. So it's easier that way. I don't want to send them a whole, um, PDF of like all these different projects that don't relate to that. Right. But if they want, they can go to your website. And like you said, the way, and and that's why I want, I definitely want to include it in the show notes I said earlier, because I think the way you have it set up is really easy for a potential employer to sift through and look at exactly what they want to look at and not be bogged down with the stuff they don't want to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like I don't have all of that in my actual portfolio either. Mm. So what I did on my online portfolio is I got the actual um, marketing images of styles that I worked on to show it on the body and show it in marketing. And I think that's really strong. And I think that's what, you know, is so great about my online portfolio. Um, And there are some of, there's some of those images in my um, hard copy portfolio, Mm -hmm. but I don't have all of that. And on my online portfolio, I don't include a lot of like my flats, So that is more tailored to my, um, portfolio, my hard copy. Mm -hmm. And I, I I don't think that people want to go online and really sift through flats. They can do that in person. Right. It's a little bit more of like a catalog experience online portfolio. Like I really get to see the product and the lifestyle of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I really like about it. So it's definitely different from my, you know, personal portfolio, right? Your in-person physical one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and so, okay. So you started out at Oshkosh, uh, I assume doing kids or uh, does Oshkosh do adults? 
Yeah, sorry. Can we go back real quick? Yeah, we can. Um, another thing, <laughs> I sorry, I wanted to add um, that another thing that would be great to take to interviews is a little sketchbook. So ah. th- just doodle whatever you want, rip out pages from a magazine, put it in there. I do that, and people love it. They love to see like work in progress because I don't really show like a work in progress in my projects. They're like a finalized project. Mm-hmm. So it's great for them to see hand sketching or, you know, just ideas coming from like a certain, you know, tear that you have. So that I think is very important to have. And a lot of people don't bring that. So, and you've taken that and you've gotten good feedback. Yeah. Off of bringing that little sketchbook. Yeah, people love it. What if you're not a hand sketcher? I'm not a hand sketcher. My I, hand I'm sketches are either. horrendous. I'm, <laughs> I'm so hand sketching. I really love illustrator sketching. Yes, me too. <laughs> I feel like I'm so great at illustrator. Um, <laughs> so it, it is hard, but it doesn't have to be great. Okay. The person isn't sitting there thinking, oh, you know, is this is this person a great hand sketcher? Is this maybe, a beautiful fashion illustration? Yeah, yeah like maybe if you're going and the job requires you to be excellent at hand sketching, they're going to really judge. Right. But a lot of people nowadays are using illustrator. I do know a few companies that use hand sketching, but you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I'm not great, but I'm definitely better than when I first started. So it does help to you know, just do it for yourself and then you'll have something to take and, and don't be shy about it. it they just want to see what's going through your mind yeah. as a designer. Your design process. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I love that tip. Thank you for, sh- for sharing yeah, that. Sorry I had to go back now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's totally fine. Um, but I, so I was curious and, and still kind of in the portfolio vein though, like going back to your first job out of college, you got your internship at Oshkosh and then you spent three years there and, and did, were you doing kids wear there? Yes, I was do doing they do, kids. Do they even do adults? I don't think they do adults anymore. Okay. Oh, they used, they did used to though. I think they might, yeah, they might have, yeah. I feel like maybe in my college years, I feel like maybe I had a pair of like Oshkosh overalls or something. Was oh that a thing? Oh my gosh, maybe. Because I think we're about the same. We're a similar age. I yeah. feel like that was maybe a thing. Oshkosh adult overalls in the 90s or the two, early 2000s. So. Yeah, back when everyone wore overalls. Yeah. Well, it's kind of coming back. I know um, it is. Yeah. Everything comes back around. It sure does. Um, okay, so you were doing kids there and then you got your job. You went from there to Tommy, right? No, actually, I went from there. um, I went to Converse. I was freelancing at Converse. Okay. And what kind of stuff were you doing at Converse? I was doing um, women's and I was working on all the knits. Okay. So that's where I wanted to like figure out how did that happen? Because it's really easy to get pigeonholed in the industry. And it's like, okay, you start out in kids and you do kids for three years and then that's just what you're going to do. So how did you take that jump from kids to women's knits? I don't have a good answer for that. It okay, was pure okay. luck. It was yeah. pure luck. <laughs> I, I was so glad that it happened, though, because I wanted to move into women's. Um, but I had been applying to jobs, and I don't know how my boss got my name, because I don't think I applied to this job mm-hmm. at Converse. But she called me and asked if I was available for freelance. Oh, my God. It literally so, fell in yeah. your lap. Yeah, it did. I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know. And you know, so you hadn't like 
strategically put together some ideas for your portfolio to present to them that were outside of the kids category, which was obviously what your portfolio was full of. It just happened. Yeah, it just happened. I didn't put anything together. Okay. And it was, you know, just freelance. Um, It was supposed to be like a short-term freelance, but ended up they still needed me. So they kept me on. I was actually there for nine months. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then and you went to Tommy. It, it's or sorry, it's funny. Ahead. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I wanted to stay there full time. And I remember <clears throat> working on a project for my boss, even though I had been working there and they liked what I was doing, which I thought was silly. Um, and then she didn't end up hiring me because she said I didn't have any woven's experience because she also wanted someone to help out with the outerwear team. And I'm like, all right, you know, it is what it is. I don't agree with that because I know I'm a hard worker and a fast learner and I could completely do the job. Then I got the call from my old director who is now at Tommy and saying, hey, are you interested? We have this Woven's, um, I think at the time it was associate position, Woven's associate for outerwear, denim and Woven tops. I said, sure, I'm interested. So I think I did a little project, came in, you know, the SVP liked me, the designer liked me, liked what I showed, and I was hired. And I was like, well, there you go. You know, my old boss didn't want to hire me because I didn't have any Woven's experience, so (laughs) I'm going to get some Woven's experience, you know? Yeah. I, I really dislike when people say that in the industry, you know, like they pigeonhole you, like you said, because... You need to actually have the experience to get the experience. Right. And if people aren't willing to give you that chance, how are you going to get it? So I really got lucky in terms of getting into women's in the first place just by chance and then getting into woven's, you know, because I knew my previous boss. So you can definitely get pigeonholed. It's hard. I know at one point I was trying to get into um, activewear and just no one really wanted to take me seriously um, because I had never done it. And it is a little bit different. Um, I think there's a lot more technical sides to activewear. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely hard. No one really wanted to talk to me about that. So, you know, that's why I've, I've stayed in Woven's. And I don't think it would be difficult for me to go back to knits from here because I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think wovens is a harder category to design into than knits. I think knits is pr- probably pretty easy. More accessible, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've done outerwear too, which I feel like if you've done outerwear, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Except sweaters. Sweaters, yeah. Sweaters yeah. is its whole own category. It is. Yeah. Really... Sweaters and denim, probably. Yeah, denim. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you seen other people, like, either within your company or, like, friends who have, have been able to kind of break into other spaces 
on their own, like doing that, like putting together little collections and then presenting that like, hey, listen, I know I don't have formal experience in this, but here's what I can do. I mean, you touched on that a little bit earlier, like going into an interview, um, if you if you have knits experience, you're trying to get into wovens or whatever, two different categories, mm-hmm. you know, spend some time, put be assertive and put together a little mini collection just for that client. Um Exactly. And, and do your research too. You know, if you're not familiar with the fabrications, um, you should research that before. Mm -hmm. So you know what you're talking about. I've had coworkers who have broken into different categories. Um, you know, my, one of my coworkers, um, from G3, she actually left and she was doing, um, active wear there. And she just left to do swim, which is kind of similar, but different. Swim is very technical, too. Um, There's a lot of different fabrications and seaming. Um, So she was able to do that just by presenting projects geared towards them. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a previous coworker, I think I'd mentioned that she was in bras at Victoria's Secret, and she got into doing knits. So it's definitely possible. Um... I, you know, and my previous, um, assistant, we were doing wovens together. She got into knits and she's actually doing cut and sew sweaters too. So she's breaking into those categories a little bit and it's definitely, you can do it. Sometimes it's a little bit harder, um, depending on which categories you're trying to break into or what you're moving from. I think definitely it can be hard to go from kids to women's or women's back to kids. That, that will be, or, you know, even men's, um, switching from men's to women's, you know, I've seen a lot of pushback on that. My previous assistant was, had this really great project for men's and they just wanted someone with men's experience, even though she had only done women's, but her project was amazing and you know, it's their loss. So she moved on and she broke into knit. So totally fine. Yeah. Um, how much opportunity, cause you've worked with really big companies and, um, that's not something I personally have experience with. I've, I've always worked with smaller to medium sized brands. And so I'm curious, um, you know, how much opportunity is there and is this something you've ever done to kind of like cross categories within your company? So you already have your foot in the door and you've proven that you're a hard worker and that you get along with your team. And obviously different teams are different. like you have your woven team and, and mm-hmm. your knits team or whatever other category dresses, what have you, um, you know, how much opportunity do you see to kind of, once you get your foot in the door to then try to break into a different category within the same company, is that something you've done or that's not something I've done. Um, and I actually haven't really witnessed that mm. at any of the companies that I've worked for. Okay. Usually if someone wants to move to a different category, I've seen them leave the company. Mm. Um, I know like when I was working at Oshkosh children's wear, we did all categories because it was children's and I think that's just what they do. So I worked on denim knits, wovens, like we did everything. Right. So that was collection. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the great part about that job too. Um, but I really haven't seen anyone switch um, from different categories. Yeah. I've seen, um, maybe like knits to sweaters once, but 
Yeah, nothing else really. That's interesting. I, I, it probably would be easier at a smaller company, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, because with the big companies, the teams are, they're, they're, are they fairly divided? Yeah, yeah, definitely more divided than you would like when you're actually on the team. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're trying to put together a collection and you're all in your own little world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we touched, um, pretty in depth on the portfolio stuff and that was some really great advice. Um, I'm curious to know a little bit about the resume piece and, um, you know, I, I think there's, and and a resume is something that I haven't really touched in many, many, many years, um, because the nature of the work that I do, but, um, you know, what are some of the trends you've seen in the resume or what have you maybe done on your resume that's helped you stand out? Um, and what does that whole space look like? Um, well, what I've done to, I think, really help improve my resume is to show results. So it's not just saying, oh, I, you know, sketched woven tops and I did tech packs and blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, I improved sales by 10% this quarter mm-hmm. to last year. You know, it's stuff like that, that, you know, your SVP or your director or whoever is interviewing you is going to look at. They want results driven. You know, you can be designing beautiful things, but if it doesn't sell, what is what good is it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I've done personally um, to my resume. And I think it's really improved it and helped in getting me those positions that I wanted. So do you just have, do you have like a results section or like, no, how do you like, incorporate that? So I list um, the company, you know, that I worked at the dates where it is and my position. And then after that, I list, you know, accomplishments that I had during that time. Mm -hmm. So of course it's not listing everything that you can do. It's listing what I did. Right. And like I said, you know, I improved sales for the outerwear category at Tommy. So I have that listed on my resume and then going back to, you know, my early positions and my internships, you don't really have that kind of info. Um, but you can say things like, um, I, you know, set up, um, an organizational system that we could find prints easily saving my director, um, vast amount of time from, sure. you know, going through this huge closet of unorganized <laughs> Like I would say it better than that on my resume, but basically you're saying how you helped. You save how- people time. Exactly. You're, the person hiring you wants to know how you can help them. They don't really truly care about you. They care about what does this person have to offer us? And that's what you need to gear your resume towards. How can you help this company? What, what can you do that maybe someone else can't? Yeah. Or like you said, really thinking results driven. I mean, you said, so you could say I set up a system to organize all of our prints. Well, it's like, so what, what was the result Mm -hmm. of that? The result of that was that 
it was more efficient. We found prints faster. It saved mm-hmm. the design director, the whole team, a lot of time. So focusing mm-hmm. on maybe not the process of how you got there, but the end of the day, what was the result of that? And how does that benefit me as a company? Exactly. Yeah. Smart. Um, and so then you just list that within each of your, each of your job roles. You just list it right under that company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's different for every company. Every position is different. You know, maybe some positions you'll have accomplished more. Um, and especially like positions that you're at for a long time, you're going to have an overwhelming like amount that you could put on there, but you don't want to put everything. You want to list your most important, um, contributions. Yeah. And probably think perhaps about a little bit of a variety too, like from job to job. So if you're showing, you know, maybe on this job, you highlight these three things, like you increase sales, you sped up efficiency in the production schedule. Maybe you, I don't know if you do any sourcing or you, you probably have a whole team that does that for you. Yeah, but you're right. Exactly. You want to diversify what you've accomplished at each position Mm -hmm. because they know that you can do it at X position. What can you do at Y position? Right. You know, they want to get an overall picture of what you've accomplished and what kind of contribution you've had to these um, companies. Yeah. That's very smart. Um, You've thought very strategically about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, (laughs) I guess you just do it for so long and you learn along the way. (laughs) It's not like I sat down and really thought about it um, at one point, but I've definitely learned along the way of what is maybe a, you know, better way of doing something or being more efficient. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of your jobs have come through your network and through your inner, er, your, um, your, your industry contacts. Um, but there's been some that you have just kind of blindly applied for. Um, are you doing that through like job sites or do you go directly to the company? Like what does the job hunt process look like for you and what's worked best? I've definitely gone through LinkedIn, applied through LinkedIn, um, style careers, and I've applied directly through like company websites. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, none of them resulted in anything. Ah. It, except the freelance job at Dress Barn when I first went. I applied to that. That was the only one out of all my positions that I've actually gotten a job from just applying and knowing no one. Wow. Yeah. So when I kind of scary. It is. It really is. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. I know a lot of people who've, you know, just applied to jobs and had been interviewed and got them. Okay. It just didn't happen to me. Yeah. And I would definitely say knowing someone is not going to hurt. And you don't have to know someone at the company, but, you know, maybe someone knows someone at the company and can just pass along your resume and say, hey, you know, my friend knows this, this person that would be really great fit for this job. Here's the resume Mm -hmm. that, that can work too. Do you go out to like a lot? And I don't think we have talked about it, although it might be obvious based on all the names and brands you've worked at, but you're in New York city. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how often do you go out to like net 
maybe they're not even quote unquote network events, but like industry events and are just kind of continuing to meet new people and, and increase your circle of contacts. Do you do that or? I've never really like gone to like a networking event. Um, usually I just meet other people in the industry from coworkers. Okay. Right. And that, I mean, that's always um, really helpful too, because everyone knows so many people and the industry here, I think is so small, you know, someone always knows someone. Um, so that's how I've, you know, connected through just going out and hanging out with coworkers and, you know, someone else from another, um, company comes along and you meet them or, or, you know, I've met some through my fiance too, who is also in the industry. So, but just going out, I mean, this is just like casual, like cocktails or happy hours or whatever. Yeah. 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 I find it like less formal. I get kind of nervous in those like formal like settings. (laughs) I haven't got, you know, broken through that barrier yet. Um, but yeah, just, you know, kind of hanging out and relaxing is how I've, you know, networked with people. Yeah. Um, okay. Super, super, super cliche question here. Um, (laughs) are you ready for it? I'm ready. (laughs) Um, what are, I mean, you've been in the industry for almost 10 years. Um, and you, you followed a fairly traditional path. You went to, to fashion school, you got some internships, turned into jobs, jobs turned into more jobs, so on and so forth. Um, but what have been some of the biggest challenges for you working in this space? Hmm. In terms of what? Anything specific? I would say actually just like making it in this space because Mm. like I know designers who have X years experience and then they get laid off like you've experienced a couple times like everybody's experience especially in fashion because it's a tough industry and companies shrink or go out of business um, that have a hard time getting back up getting that next opportunity and then the next thing that happens is like three months passes, six months passes, a year passes. Mm -hmm. And then it can just be hard to, the longer that goes by, the harder it is to get back in. So I almost would just say on a broad stroke, like the the biggest challenges of actually just making it in this industry, because it's a tough space. It is. It really Um, is. Like what have been some of the hardest things? Like, have you had like a really long patch where you didn't have something happening and you're like scrambling or I I don't know what it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think um, I haven't really had those long patches of unemployment. Um, I think what's been hardest for me is being at a job that I wasn't satisfied at, mm. whether that be I wasn't being treated um, in a way that I thought was appropriate or you know, just not being able to creative um and that's kind of hard because as designer creative people I think we're very sensitive um and sensitive to how people treat us so I think the hardest part for me has been trying to get through those job positions where it didn't really feel right and so what did you do to get through that? Did you just start looking for another opportunity or did you talk to someone on your team and tell them how you were feeling and why it wasn't working or? Yeah. Um, I just started looking for another opportunity. Okay. 
you know, you, you try to talk to your boss, obviously. Um, but sometimes that doesn't always work. Right. It's just the culture of the place. Yeah. So you have to do what you can for yourself and just move on. And that was what I had to do. I just had to look for a new opportunity. Okay. While still staying in the other one for, for good security and transition. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of college debt. (laughs) That's one thing (laughs) I'm not happy about. So I, I can't just quit my job on a whim. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the old adage, it's easier to find a job if you have a job. Uh, Yeah, it's true. It is true. Um, awesome, Sheena. This has been so much fun. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't mention or didn't ask you about? Oh, I don't know. Um, I just, I don't know, May. It's just, it's, if you get into it and it's hard in the beginning, just know that it'll get better. (laughs) Like I think any industry, um, getting into it is hard. And once you're in it, you'll make connections, you know, you'll get better at, you know, sketching, designing, everything. Um, So it will get easier. So I just, you know, want people to know that like when they're starting out, it's going to be rough, but Mm -hmm. you can make it. (laughs) That's great. That's great. And I'll end with um, the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview and it stumps some people. So if you need a second to think about it, um, take your time. But what is one thing that people never ask you about working in fashion that they, that you wish they would ask you. And so I'll rephrase it with sort of more of an example of if you're hanging out with friends who don't work in the industry, um, and let's say you guys are talking about your jobs and whatnot, and what's something you love to chat about working in fashion, but you find people who are not, aren't in the industry, like they don't, they don't ask about that. Um, well, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but <laughs> I run into this a lot where people who aren't designers think that our jobs are, you know, so creative and just go in and you sew all day and you draw and it's, it's just like an amazing job. No, it's hard work. <laughs> and most of that time you are sitting in front of a computer, <laughs> either answering emails, building tech packs, you know, sketching. Um, so it's not like this glamorous job that everyone makes it out to be unless you're, you know, at some like couture house, you know, which most of us aren't. Yeah. No, I love that answer. And actually I had someone, I think I got an email or I forget in what context, but within the past couple months, someone said, I, I wish you would make a course about what it's really like to work in the industry, like yeah. what we do every day. And like you said, it's a lot of tech packs, and which is either an Excel or some type of PDM, PLM software, and you're doing a lot of email correspondence, um, and obviously sketching as well, but it's not just being creative full-time. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really funny when, you know, we have um, someone from a different department come by and ask, hey, design team, how you doing? We're like, oh, tech packs. <laughs> and they're like, you're always doing tech packs. That's what it feels like. You're always doing tech packs. Um, but well, the, the product truth. has to get made. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, awesome. Sheena, is there, where can people find you online? Um, well, I am on LinkedIn. 
Okay. So you can find me there. I'll um, link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And, you know, my online portfolio. And I think you can send me a message through LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, and I'll get that. And Great. you can also go through my website. There's a little contact me page. Um, you can find me there. Okay. Good. And it's linked to my Instagram and all that stuff too. All that good stuff. Okay. I'll put yeah. links to all that in the show notes. And thank you so much for your awesome advice and ideas. So many great little tips um, about how designers can get ahead in this crazy world we work in, right? Yes. Thank you so much, Heidi, for yes. having me. It was really a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in the episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 11. And since you made it this far, you must have liked the episode. If you can take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes, it helps the show a lot and makes the podcast easier for people to discover. It's super easy to do and I'd really appreciate it. Visit sfdnetwork.com slash review to leave your rating. Thank you for your support and help.